0: Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. How are you doing today, Chad?
1: Um, I'm doing all right. I'm more disappointed than I am mad at the situation we're currently in. It's kind of like when your dad says, you know, I'm disappointed in you. I'm not mad at you, but I'm disappointed. That's how I feel at this current moment. But that's always worse, isn't it? Yes, like it, it is. You you almost prefer anger.
0: I I mean I I feel the same way as you. I I'm almost numb to these losses at this point. It just feels like every time we go into a game, regardless of how good we play, it's a bang on loss. And, you know, especially after the way we played at Brighton, I thought that there were some brighter results on the horizon. I thought that this was a game that we might be able to come in and get a draw. I mean, my prediction was a 1-0 loss, and it turns out I was right. But at the end of the day, I-, I thought, especially going into that second half, I thought this was a good chance for Sheffield United to get a 0-0 clean sheet and a draw. But, um Yeah proven wrong as i i have been many 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 times this season
1: yeah and i mean we texted back and forth through through the entire match and uh, i mean i we and i even watched with the everton fans here in charlotte and as the game went on and the more frustrated they got and the more excited i got because i was like oh my god we're inching closer to a, a draw and i was like i'll take it i will take it right now i said in the 10th minute i said is this let's just call the game right now i'll take it as a draw And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we need three points and all that. And I felt good, like you said, right until that goal went in. And it's just, I'm I'm disappointed, not mad. Yeah, there's not
0: really that much to say regarding our overall feelings on this match. It's just, you know, what can you do? You just move on to the next match. We've got another important one coming up on Tuesday. We will get to that. But I want to just very quickly review our, our match against Everton here really fast. To start this one off, there was nothing going on. I mean, the first really like 13 or 14 minutes, it was just a feeling out process. There were a couple of cheeky balls over the top by Everton, but they couldn't find Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And finally, the first real opportunity actually came for Sheffield United in the 15th minute. What I feel was our best chance in the whole match. Brewster basically put a beautifully weighted pass into David McGoldrick on the right-hand side into the box. He was definitely offside, even if he had scored. I think VAR would have called it back, but he just couldn't get enough pace on it to put it into the net after beating Pickford. I think Pickford additionally got a hand to it as well, so that definitely slowed down the pace on the ball. But It would have been. It would. It's all for naught. It would have been called back had that gone in.
1: Yeah, I said the same exact thing when when he shot. I said he's off sides, but I. I mean, you still want to see him finish it, regardless if he's off sides or what, whatnot. Because you know, you just never know if the goal goes in. You know, VAR's signal goes down and they're like, "Oh, we can't see the goal." Just say it's a goal you never know something stupid like that could happen and gift us a goal but yeah like you said that was probably our best chance of the game because I mean we didn't have much going for us not really a sniff from that point on a couple of half
0: chances talk about that but really not much to speak of especially in the first half in the 22nd minute it will be drove into the box and put a shot on Ramsdale I I don't really do much scouting of the other side's players, but I did notice a throughout this game. He had several really great drives into the box, got a couple of good shots off. Both were either saved by Ramsdale or put it out. But yeah, I no, definitely noticed him. What, what were your thoughts on his play?
1: I think not having James in the side kind of like let a you know, run kind of all over the pitch. And that's like I was talking with the Everton guys. I said, so Awobi looks like he's absolutely balling out of his mind. And they said, since Thomas is not in the in the side, it frees him up a little bit. So this is like a, an expansive Awobi almost. And like you said, he had four, five, six chances in this entire game. He had a bunch of long-range efforts but still i mean i had never seen this alex awobi when he was at arsenal so it was like wow this is crazy where is this where did this guy come from and i've watched him almost all year and i haven't seen this type of performance out of him. you know it is against united so everybody's <laughs> gonna have the greatest game of the season so you know <laughs> that was hey, my thought us, as well. right
0: <laughs> that was uh that was definitely my thought as well it was like well They are playing against the bottom side in the league. So, you know, everybody's going to be playing with their hair on fire or their head on fire, Mm -hmm. as you like to say. In the 29th minute, Calvert Lewin took a first time ball off of his chest and put it just to the left. This was Everton's best chance in the first half. It was a really, really great pass from the center back. I, I don't remember who it was, but it was a pass from their, I think, their left center back. And, uh, it was bad coverage from Robinson. Very, very bad. He should have scored. Really, yeah. And, I, mean, I mean that that, you, that goes in. That's that's a that's like a goal of the season sort of candidate right there.
1: Yeah, I think you said that in our in our text exchange. Yeah, it was Keane that played the ball over because you know United we're playing a high line, so we're giving it that almost that no man's land between the back line and Ramsdale. And Keane put that ball over the top, over everybody, and blocked on it. And he he put it he put it just wide, but like you said, it would have been it would have been an absolute golazo. Yeah, definitely. Not a minute later, Sigurdsson put
0: a free kick. Ramsdale dropped the ball again. I think this is the third time in the last four games that Ramsdale has dropped the ball in the area and it's led to a good chance. And it's been by the grace of God that we haven't conceded on these chances, but you got to figure if it continues to happen, he is going to concede a goal from dropping all of these balls. It can't keep continuing this way moving forward, especially if you're trying to build confidence in the lad. You know, I mean, it, he can't. his confidence is probably at rock bottom right now, you know, being... On two bottom half sides, really, in you know, in relegation battles, in consecutive years, uh, it's got to just be awful for for the young
1: goalkeeper. In, in to, to his defense, it was, I mean, a driving rain out of nowhere. I guess it hadn't rained until the the whistle blows, and then it just went into an absolute driving rain. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm not letting him off. You're a goalkeeper in the top league in England. You should be able to have safe hands and be able to catch that. But to his defense, at that moment when that ball came in, it was absolutely pouring. So, I mean, I'll give him a little bit of slack. His gloves might have been just a touch on on the wet side. But like you said, this is three or four times this year he's dropped the ball. At some point, somebody's going to get on the end of this ball and make us pay for the goalkeeper with no confidence dropping the ball right in front of him. It's inexcusable.
0: Yeah, I I'm inclined to agree with you there. Definitely from a top-tier team, it's just kind of unacceptable to be dropping the ball that much, regardless of the rain. I mean, look, you you figure you play about anywhere from ten to fifteen games a season in the rain, you know? Some <laughs> or, or at least with a light drizzle or, or wet pitch or or what have you. So I mean, you know, you try to keep the ball as dry as possible as we saw Robinson and Baldock doing throughout the game. But at the end of the day, it's just a part of the game. And I don't think it's that great of an excuse. And look, I'm not slagging Ramsdale here. You know, I'm just I just think it's been a problematic part of his game, especially in the recent run of games where I've just noticed it's just something that you notice. It's very obvious. Yeah. So in the 39th minute Awobi again just glid through our defense really really shocking defense i think he beat probably six or five or six uh of our our, our guys and you know we pulled it out with some last last ditch defending he didn't really get a shot on but I, again just the quality of Iwobi in this game shown through in that moment getting past you know four or five of our defenders
1: yeah it was i mean that was terrible defending it's just like it was like a hot night through butter. I mean, he was just boom, left, right, left, and just like making our guys spin around in different directions. Where is this guy? Where has this guy been his entire career? Why, of course, against us, he's absolutely balling out, but it just it makes no sense. And it was it was kind of like our defenders were just flat footed and just kind of like watching the ball and just walk like watching it go between everybody. It's like, I don't know what the hell they were doing at that part.
0: And that actually kind of led to another great chance. Sigurdsson, I thought, was obviously the man of the match for Everton, as far as Everton was concerned. He uh, he puts it just to the right of the net. He couldn't get a proper curl on it, and we were lucky to not concede in that moment because that ball could have had eyes for the back of the net if it had a, a, any more of a curl on it. And yeah. he just put it straight out, though. It, was, it didn't have any curl on it.
1: Yeah, at this point, I was just saying, let's get to 45 minutes, blow the whistle. There should be no extra time in this first half. Let's go to halftime because we were barely, we were hanging on, to say the least, at the end of the first half. Because we started good, and then Everton just grew into the match. And it was basically all Everton, all the way up to half.
0: At the death, though, of, of the first half, I think we had another good chance. You know, Jackie throw gets the ball into Burke. And he's right at parallel with the goal line, basically. And he just boots it and it goes wide of net. I didn't think it was the best chance, but if he, again, if he had gotten any curl on that whatsoever, could have gone in, but he just booted it and it went wide. And that, that was halftime from there.
1: Yeah. My thoughts leading into half, I mean, Jackie Long throw, he had that good opportunity to get it in into the box and then. Like we talked about, it's just those chances we need, and, and we are we're begging for. And then when we get them, we just freaking throw them right out the window. It's just it's 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 one of those things. Just, just like you're in the top league, you're only going to get a few chances. Where the bottom team in the league, a chance is falling towards you. Come on, finish it, finish it, finish it. And of course, you know, usual United way, we don't. When we go into the second half,
0: I really think that Sheffield United actually had the majority of the chances save for the goal. The goal was really Everton's only good chance in the whole half. In the 66th minute, Norwood delivered a ball into Egan and he put it over the bar. What did you think about the Norwood substitution? I wasn't a big fan of it personally. I just don't think he's been on form lately and I don't think the quality that we were missing in this game came from needing someone who could take free kicks like Norwood can. I think the problem was was that we couldn't get pacey balls over the top, and that's really how we've been playing for the majority of the season. Just we haven't been able to build up from the back. That's consistently been our problem this season.
1: When he when he came into the game, I was like, okay, you know. Wilder's trying to change something up, you know, taking McGoldrick off. McGoldrick had ran all over the pitch. I mean, he they were they were changing formations up front, and they were he was paired with Burke at one point up front and everything. And so I could see why why Wilder took him off, and put Norwood on. But good God, when he started playing, I was like, um, I think he thinks we're playing in blue today because he was just awful. It was like literally. 30 seconds to a minute into his into him being on the field and he followed a guy and I believe he got a yellow card out of it during his time in the game that he was just like where's where's the Norwood of last year and the previous years it's like this dude is not even a shadow of himself it's unbelievable how bad he is yeah and we also didn't
0: Really, talk about the fact that Ollie Burke got subbed off at halftime for Ollie McBurney, who again w- was just not really noticeable in that second half. I mean, he no. put a couple balls wide, he almost got his head on a corner that was, I think, uh, closer to the death. And just, I just don't understand, you know, especially when Burke had a decent shot, he had a decent chance there at the death of uh, the first half, I don't understand the logic of of bringing McBurney in at the 45th minute.
1: Yeah. I, d- I didn't get that change either. I was like, okay, let's, let's not make a change there. Let's, you know, maybe make it in, you know, the 55th minute, give him 10 minutes more to see what he has coming out of the dressing room after you give him a talking to in the, in the dressing room, but for it to be so quick. And I was like, why we, I turned to the guys I was watching the game with. I said, so, United's formula now since McBurney's in the game is Ramsdale, you see McBurney's hair, kick it to him. He's going to try and head it. If he doesn't head it, it's going to go to Everton's back line and they're going to bring it back in into our half. And we'll just keep doing that over and over and over. So, yeah, I I didn't understand that change right out of the locker room at, at halftime. It, it, it That was a head scratcher for me.
0: So let's get to the goal here in the 80th minute a free kick came in Basham got ahead to it but it falls right to DeCorey, who puts it over to Sigurdsson who just puts it on the ground without a ton of pace into the back of the net the right hand side of Ramsdale's net you know you can argue Ramsdale's positioning wasn't great in this moment but where was the defense you know where where was Robinson where was Stevens in that moment just shocking defending again from Sheffield United
1: Yeah, it's like they're almost ball watching, and it's like they had concrete feet and they weren't moving. They were just watching the ball, and there it goes. It's in the back of the net, 1-0. And it's like, man, what are you guys doing? Just watching the ball go in. Somebody step up and mark. And see, as the game went on, I noticed that more and more often. It seemed like our back line wasn't. You know, we've talked about Awobi and everything, but they weren't marking their men where if the ball would come into them, the Everton player would get the ball and then he'd be able to run, start his run before we would close him down instead of, okay, he's getting the ball, close him down now and make him pass the ball. So it just – it's like the whole back line was they had a day off. And, I mean, we were lucky, you know, Everton weren't at their best and they didn't put three past us we were lucky to only give up one, but I mean, that back on, I mean, especially Robinson, I mean, he looked like a league one player or a championship player even. I mean, he did not, he did not look good. And you know, he's been patchwork in defense, but God, man, you got to do something, man.
0: Very frustrating. Obviously at that point I knew that we were pretty certain to lose after the goal went in, you know, we didn't overall, I don't think we played especially poor but we just, as you mentioned, we just didn't take our chances. And again, very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, from that point on, Everton wasted a ton of time after the goal. And I just, I don't get it. Okay. You're a Premier League side. You're now second in the league. And to waste time like that is fucking bullshit. It's it bullshit. Is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, what did they rack up? Uh, One, two, three. They had three yellow cards in the last 10 minutes of the game for time-wasting. I mean, dude, if not add more time already, because what did we play? We played 95 minutes. We, We played 96 minutes. Add another two minutes and say, this is for you guys wasting all kinds of damn time sitting on the ball, kicking it out of play, kicking in the 15th row of the stands. I hate time-wasting unless United, we need a, a big win, then we can time-waste all we want. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I'm hypocritical. In all honesty, I hate when any team does it. Whether you're up, you're down, it it, it doesn't matter. I hate that shit. And it's like every team was like, oh, my God, we're hanging on right here. Let's take 10 minutes to lay on the floor, roll around. I'm surprised every time somebody went down, the trainer didn't come out for him.
0: There has to be something that's done. I mean, I know it won't be. I know it's just wishful thinking, but God, wouldn't it be great if, you know, the refs could show a straight red for, you know, overt time wasting?
1: Yeah, I I would love that. I mean, because if they did that, then the teams would learn, okay, we're not going to fuck around here at the end of the match. We're going to we're going to get the ball in. We're going to play we're going to play the the rest of the match out and we're not going to sit on the floor for 10 minutes and waste all this damn time. So I would be greatly in favor of not wasting time, giving a straight red. Yeah, that
0: that and simulation in my opinion are the two things that just make football very frustrating to watch and you know, look, speaking as a yank, speaking as an American watching the game, I can tell you if you're trying to grow the game especially in the United States, that's the kind of shit that Americans look at and we're just like fuck this. Yeah. Why I mean yep. simulation and time wasting bother the ever loving crap out of Americans on the whole. We don't really tolerate it in our game here in the United States. I mean, there I've seen showers of booze for both simulation and time wasting in MLS.
1: Yeah. I mean there's I mean, like you said, there's no, nothing is going to happen. It's kind of like a pipe dream, but it's just so annoying. In like I said, if it's United doing it, I hate it too. But I mean, it's at this point, we need the win so bad. So I sound hypocritical to, to say that, though.
0: Yeah, that the, the take your time song comes to mind.
1: Yes, <laughs> for sure.
0: In the 82nd minute. Sheffield United had a free kick. Norwood put it in. Basham got ahead to it, but it was well wide. 87th minute, another Norwood uh, free kick. Actually, I'm sorry. It was a corner. And McBurney went up for it, and he just couldn't make good contact with it. It was in the 91st minute. In the 93rd minute, we were very, very lucky not to either have a penalty or even a foul on the edge of the box called. Nothing was given, just the play on. At the death, McBurney had a chance, but put it wide. That last little bit of play, we were wide open, really. We had three players on the left-hand side of the net and just couldn't get it to anyone to get a good shot on. And that's when full-time was called. Again, another loss, and here we are. We're just waiting. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting to find our form or get lucky and pull out a win, and it's just not happening. And... I don't have an answer at this point. I don't really think anybody has an answer. If they did, they would be on the Sheffield United payroll at this point, but I just I, you'd throw your hands up in the air and you wonder what is it going to take for us to get 3 points on the board, maybe playing a really poor Burnley team this Tuesday.
1: Yep. Who knows? I was I was hoping Santa Claus was going to bring us a uh, uh, 3 points yesterday, but he uh, he showed up and gave us coal, and we ended up with a with a resounding zero points from yesterday's match. That's uh, I don't know. At this point, I'd take anything. I, I would give both of my legs for it right now. It makes you wonder.
0: I mean, did like the team go into like collectively into like a mirror shop and just break all of the mirrors, or collectively right? spill a bunch of salt, collectively wa- walk past the black cat? You know, and what other what other bad luck platitudes can we think of here? I mean, <laughs> walked under a ladder. Yeah. It's just it just feels like there is a curse, you know. It it season. does.
1: It, it feels like we are a cursed side because when you look at the rest of the teams in the league when they play, we are miles behind every one of them because they have, they are in the game and. I applauded our team because we had like forty six percent possession in this match, which is probably our highest amount in the entire season this year. So I was like, okay, we're starting the right to right the ship there. But when you watch all these other teams play, it's so frustrating, frustrating to see how good they are or how much better they are than us because it just we look miles away from anybody in this league. In hell, we could be first week of March. I mean, Jesus, if we keep, I think I read a stat. If we keep going on this pace, we'll be relegated by Easter. That is probably the earliest anybody has ever been relegated in league history.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we're certainly on pace at this point, on two points after 14 games. So, you know, I mean, unless we can right the ship, I think we're looking at that Derby record and. You know, if I have a goal, re analyzing our goals, it's pretty clear that we're probably going to be going down this year. But God, if we can just beat that Derby record—that's—I mean, not beat the Derby record, get more points than eleven this season. I yes. mean, it'll still be a historically bad season, but if we can get more than eleven points, I think that will satisfy me and give me a little bit of hope heading into the championship next season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I- I'm right there with you.
0: So, Chad, who is your man of the match for Sheffield United in this in this fixture?
1: I would probably have to say I'm going to go with Basham again, just because I, I individually pick him out every single game. He doesn't he necessarily not every single game has a good game in defense, but he he has a sneaky decent game in the back, and I mean decent for our back line is is actually good. So he he did what he needed to do and and played. Relatively well for the you know the surrounding part. I mean, Robinson is oh god, he's terrible, and so he's got. I feel like him and Egan every game have to make up for that other leg of the defense, and so yeah. that's why they have ex like they have great games, and they have to last ditch defending every time. So I'm going with Bash. I mean, he had to pick up the slack for for Robinson just coming in and throwing 50-yard balls into the box from, from throw-ins. That's that's about all he's good. Jackie Long throw. That's all he's good for.
0: <laughs> uh, he wasn't terrible in this game, but yeah, he hasn't impressed throughout the season. I'm going to give my man of the match to the other center back that you mentioned, and that's Mr. John Egan. I thought he played a great game. He had a couple of amazing tackles from which he won the ball especially in vulnerable positions and he's just looked good he's had a solid season you know with a couple of exceptions but you know it's not enough for us to be halfway decent on defense again we just can't find the back of the net on a consistent enough basis to factor into games and we're definitely not gonna even achieve our goal of you know Getting twelve points this season if we can't find the back of the net on a consistent basis,
1: yeah, and it would help probably. You know, if we get one clean sheet and we're able to go, you know, and give Ramsdale a little confidence, backline a little confidence. That's why I'm I'm looking forward to Burnley and in, in Crystal Palace. Hopefully, we can get we can manage to get a clean sheet out of one of those two games, and you know, give us a little bit of confidence. You know, even if we. Even if we draw both of them nil-nil, I mean, I'd almost take that to where we had clean sheets and gave the back line and, for God's sakes, our goalkeeper a little bit of confidence. So he he's more assertive because I know we're struggling to, sh- to score goals, but this, I mean, and we're, and we're not conceding that many goals at the back. We're only conceding one or two, but I just want to see the back line have a little bit more confidence. And maybe if we get a clean sheet and Robinson's in the game, he turns into an all-world-class defender. You never know. Well, there's
0: another chance to do so, to get a clean sheet this Tuesday in our game against Burnley. How do you think we're going to line up against Burnley on, on Tuesday, Chad?
1: I would go with... Honestly, I would probably go with a majority. I would drop Norwood completely out of the side. We do not need to start. He doesn't even need to be on the bench. He just needs to go on go celebrate the new year somewhere far, far away from our team. (laughs) But, I mean, I'm looking at it. And take Jag Yelka with you, too. We don't need him either. But our back line is probably going to be the same. You're going to have Robinson... Egan and Basham in there. And then I don't change anything from this week. I mean, I'm starting the same. I'm starting the same team. I'm going the same exact lineup.
0: I'm inclined to agree with you. I think playing that formation that we played with, you know, really a five-three-two-one-two, two, I think is gonna be most effective. I didn't I thought we had good possession. We were actually controlling the run of play at times in our game against Everton. And I think that Wilder needs to play that five three two one two.
1: Yes, with, uh-uh. with
0: McGoldrick playing that ten, and then Brewster and Burke up front. I just think it's our most dangerous front line there.
1: And one thing I could see too is maybe Leese gets a gets a, a start up front. But but the one thing I can't stand is you know every time. We go and, okay, we didn't get a goal against Everton. I guess guess it's part of the storyline for NBC. They rail against Brewster, and they say, well, the club record signing goes scoreless again, doesn't have any goals, hasn't scored for the club, blah, 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 all this line of bullshit. And, I mean, if you watched him, he was involved in that game. I mean, he—they didn't call the announcer. Didn't call his his name. You know, I pick up different players during the match, and and I put a—I kind of like put a certain spotlight on him, and I watch him. Brewster was roving around. You know, he was coming back and tackling back because at one point Burke was up top, and he dropped in behind him, so he was coming back and defending and everything. But since the storyline is he's a striker, and we paid all this money, and he's not scoring goals, then they're going to beat that like a dead horse beat a dead horse saying oh he has no goals in certain amount of games but you know the pressure might get to to wilder and he say oh let's give lisa start and sit brewster or you know pair him up if you pair muset in in brewster up top they played good together when they both came in they they played very well together so maybe that i mean that is literally the only change i could see we make I'll be honest with you, I didn't really notice Lee Mousset's run of
0: play in, in the limited minutes that he had against Everton, but at this point, you know, we're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, we've exactly. said that time and time again, but you just do what you can. I mean, there, there's no wrong choice. The only wrong choice is to not make a choice at this point.
1: Yeah, and, and I see us not making chopping and changing and giving squad rotation until Crystal Palace. I think he's going to be set in his ways for Burnley and then he'll make some changes because we got, what, three or four days until we play Palace after the first of the year. So I think he'll be hesitant to rotate the squad until, like I said, the Palace match.
0: Well, that Palace match is next Saturday. So after our, our game against Burnley on Tuesday, you know, it's a short break. And then, you know, we have two games basically per week coming up here for a good run. Of time, so not as much rest. I don't know what impact that's going to have on United moving forward, but I can tell you the rest hasn't, the week's rest hasn't been doing us a whole heck of a lot of good.
1: No, no, not at all.
0: So as far as Burnley lineup, you know they they start Ashley Barnes and Wood up top. They've got Peters, Westwood, Brownhill, and Benson in the midfield. Taylor, me. Tarkowski and lowton in the back. And then of course, Nick Pope in net. How do you think they line up against us, Chad?
1: I think they're, and I think a lo- they're going to be similar. I don't think they're going to make many changes because, you know, they're like us. They're, they're trying to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks as well. Cause they're right down here with us in, in, in a relegation fight. I mean, I really can't see, they might start Jay Rodriguez because he's he's got a couple of goals for him this year. Right. But other than that, I mean, their team is is kind it's it's almost they're almost similar to us. And I mean, what did we play him in mean, the the Carabao Cup at the beginning of the season, and it, it finished nil nil, and had to go to penalties, and they won on penalties. So what they're going to run at us is probably similar to what they played against Leeds. In all honesty,
0: I think it was two two, if memory serves correct correctly.
1: It seems like so long ago. I no, it was after one one.
0: It was one one. It was one. Yeah, McGoldrick had the goal in that one, and then Vidra, who he didn't factor even into the bench in the last one. I think he picked up an injury previously, and he had a, he was out with a back injury. But you have to figure he's going to factor into the game in some way. Maybe he doesn't start, but I think he definitely is on the bench. The reading the reports, it just seemed like. It was a minor back tweak, and they just kept him out of their match against Leeds Sunday. But he could very well factor in. I'm not going and you know,
1: I get a hat trick for him.
0: <laughs> the one individual in Burnley's side that we need to watch out for is Wood. He's their yeah. leading goal scorer. Look, they don't have a ton of goals. They actually have just as many goals as Sheffield United do in this season thus far. But Wood is their top scorer. Three goals, one assist. Vidra is their second top goal scorer, two goals, no assists. Then Westwood, Dunn, Brady, Barnes, and Brownhill all have one. So, you know, shutting down Wood is going to be important. You know, it's not like they have a Calvert-Lewin in their side, but he's still dangerous, and that's who Sheffield United is going to really have to shut down in this one.
1: Yeah, and, and Ashley Barnes, over the last few matches I've watched Burnley play, he is rounded into form. And yeah, I mean, he should have had a goal today that got blown. The refs whistle blew and the goal wasn't over the line. So VAR couldn't take a look at it. So he should have he should have had a goal. So I mean I mean, Burnley is always solid in defense. And their striking pair, if they're on form, they can put three past you because I've I've seen some of these games that they've been in these games for they're they're kind of like us. I mean, it's almost mirror images of, you know, we'll be in the game for so long and then we'll give up a goal right at the end. And then that's how the scoreline finishes. And, okay, so both teams are similar to where, you know, we've been in matches for most part, and then we just get our hearts broken at the end. So is this a game where we can hopefully break their their hearts and we get like a 85th-minute winner from Phil Jagielka? Just kidding. No, don't, don't. Don't take that. No, God, no. That'd be awful. <laughs> if we're starting here and we are in trouble. Yeah, uh, I,
0: I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Chad, wh- what's your score prediction for,
1: for this match against Burnley? I'm going 1-0. I'm going a 1-0 score line. And I'm going to say the only guy that's scored for us all year, I'm going McColdrick. I'm going Mr. I'm going Didzy, Mr. Baldy. I mean, he's he's going to get us the goal and get us over the line. I, As upset or as disappointed as I am with this team, I have a feeling we're going to put something together. The manager is going to say something to light a fire under these guys' ass. And we're going to go out and we're going to play a solid game against Burnley. And we're going to get the 1-0 win.
0: I'm going to go pessimistic and say 1-1 draw.
1: Oh, that's not bad. We still get one point. I mean, you could have said we lose seven nil, and that'd be- that's true. <laughs> so I just I'll don't think.
0: I, I I don't think Burnley will win. I just see this pegged as another draw for us.
1: I'd even take a, a, a nil nil draw. In all honesty,
0: I mean, I think that would boost Ramsdale's confidence if we could hold them to no goals. Love to see a clean sheet and a win. That would be the best. But just being a realist here. I see us conceding and I see us maybe getting a goal and drawing one, one. I think that that's how the game is going to finish. We'll say the goal comes from Ditsy. I'm, I'm with you on that. Perfect. So I think that's really all the time that we have for the red half of Sheffield this week. Chad, where can the people find you on social media?
1: They can find me at blades in the USA on Facebook, Give us a like and a follow on Facebook and on also on Twitter Blades in the USA. I post a lot of content on there, so give us a like and, and follow on those social media outlets. And if you want to follow me, I'm at C Jarvis underscore thirteen on Instagram.
0: And you can follow me Noah Snyder at Nessman nine thirty on Twitter and Reddit. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sunpuck. That's S U N P U C K. And until. This Tuesday, when we face off against Burnley in a very, very important fixture, a six-point game coming up. Up the blades, Chad.
1: Up the blades.
0: Come on, you red and white wizards.